Thank you for tuning into this week's podcast from Discovery Church. Our hope is that this message would help you seek truth and find purpose. If you would like to know more about Discovery Church, please check us out online at mydiscoverychurch.ca. With that said, let's go to this week's message. It, it is a privilege and honor to be here with you all uh, today um, and really to share what God has laid on my heart, uh, not just not just, um, you know, just a few weeks ago, a month ago, when Lauren asked me, hey, you want to speak? And at first I was like, are you serious? Uh, but, but it's something that God has been truly been teaching me uh, throughout this year, over my lifetime. Um, and I really hope, you know, God really speaks to your heart today. Um, and, you know, there's, there's moments in time where you just want to capture a moment that you just want to remember and you can look back on. And this is why we take pictures. We take pictures. And I, I do not claim to be a photographer, not by any means. My sister, yeah, she, she, she photographer, Jen. Um, me, you know, I, Instagram. I like taking pictures, things that are funny, friends, family, uh, something beautiful, something scenic. And then ha- add like a little caption. Just, you know, what, something silly. It could be anything. Um, but from time to time, you use, you know, the hashtags. Pastor Lauren, I'm not going to do this too much because, you know, yeah, maybe a little bit. But I'll, I'll, use, a, I'll use a hashtag from time to time just to describe, okay, what is in this photo? And the hashtags um, that, you know, sometimes that I use is about the filter, the filter that I use. And sometimes, as we're going to talk about today, is the hashtag no filter. Now, this, I don't use it all the time because I kind of like some of the filters that Instagram has because it adds uh, effects to the photo. It highlights things. It maybe beautifies. It might take away, uh, you know, some of the blemishes that might show up on the photo. But where the no filter, the hashtag no filter, it is implying that there's no filter used because there's no filter needed. But so I don't know if, Sharon, if you got that photo. Yeah? Awesome. So this is a picture that I took in Newfoundland last summer. And I was about to put it up on Instagram. I'm like, I can't put any filter on this. It is raw. It's beautiful. It's real. It is as if you're there with me, but you, you weren't. Um, <laughs> but but it, with the real, the real picture, it, it doesn't really do it justice. When I say hashtag no filter, the statement is made saying that there's nothing that can be added that would make this better. It is raw, it is real, no additions. They have not been modified, and really the picture doesn't do it justice. And as I think about some of these filters, maybe it's just me, but I think about, you know, maybe we put these filters on our own lives sometimes. And I wonder if we put the filter of, you know, what what success really looks like. The filter of what happiness really looks like. The filter of, you know, what, you know, life should look like. Or with the filter of what God is and who God is. And I know for myself, I've read and I've heard about all the stories in the Bible. I grew up in the church. So, so I, I know a lot of the stories. I know a lot of the, the, the characteristics of God. But some of it just sounded too good to be true. So, so as, as I, I think about it, I'm like, okay, well, this, this, can't be, this can't be right. So maybe this, if I add this, this makes sense. Believing that God looked at me through a filter, where I had to be a certain way, 
where I had to act a certain way. Where I, I, I couldn't even see who God really was or experience who God is because I had this filter of what he expected of me. Placing a filter of expectation on God because of what the picture of grace maybe looked like. And I thought that this expectation is what, is what God was expecting of me. You know, where, where I had to have my life in order. I had to make all these changes immediately. That I can never make a mistake. Because otherwise, you know, if, if, I don't, if I don't get there, maybe I'll never experience this grace that I've heard so much about. And so much of my life I've strived for this unattainable perfection. But with each step, I'd fail. And I've come to realize that grace, grace was not about my perfection, but is about my imperfection. At, at this, uh, a story that really illustrates this, and you, you guys probably remember it from Easter at the Wreck, is the prodigal son. And I'm, I'm going to recap and kind of go through it again, um, because this, this is a picture of what grace kind of looks like. So it's about a young man, a young man who goes to his father and says, Hey, Dad, I want all my inheritance. I'm ready. Let's go. You know, I'm a man now, so I'm ready to go. And his father is, okay, and just gives it to him. So the son, he packs up, he moves away, and he spends everything. He, you know, reckless living, partying all the time, binge drinking, and he came to a point where he didn't have a cent left. And then he had no money, and a time came in the land where there was no there was food shortage. So he had no money. There's food shortage. He had to go find a job so he can try to provide for himself. He tried, and still it wasn't enough to provide for him. And then he started to remember, my dad, he has servants. He's living, they're living back with my, my, my father, and they're living way better than I am. So in desperation, he swallowed his pride, and decided that he would crawl back to the father and ask for forgiveness. And ask if he could be a slave. Because he didn't even think that he could be called son anymore. When he was getting closer to home, the father seen him in a distance. And he began to run out. And he ran out and he gave him a big hug, a big embrace. And the son started to try to say, like, Dad, I'm sorry. I'm, and try to apologize. But the father, he was not listening. He was singing out to the servants. He's like... Bring, bring the best shoes, bring the robe, bring a ring, get that fattened calf. We're going to celebrate. We're going to have a party. And all this was happening. He was so excited. His son was home. All of while this was happening, his other brother was in the field. In the field, working, slaving away. And he could hear in the distance, like, a party happening. So the harp must have been pumping to reach out into the field. Um... So he, he turned to the servant, one of the servants that was with him, and was like, hey, do you know what's going on? And he's like, yeah, I think your brother's home. And he was furious. So he marched in and called out his dad and was like, yo, dad, what is going on? You've, you've never done this for me. I've served, I've obeyed you for years, and not once, not once did you throw me a party. But once he came home, the one who left, he took all his inheritance, he blew it, and then you throw him a party? 
It's just not fair. It, it doesn't make sense. And the father's response is truly amazing. And he says this, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. So it was fitting to celebrate and be glad for your brother. He was dead, and now he's alive. He was lost, but now he is found. You see, the story of the prodigal son is a story that Jesus told as a picture of God's perfect grace for an imperfect child. It's an example of God, our Father's grace to us. Can you, can you only imagine what the son felt like? He walked away from his father, taking everything to his name and blowing it, like really messing up. And when he decided to return, it was a time, wasn't a time of scolding from his father, as he probably expected. It was a time of overwhelming embrace because he returned home, a place where he belonged. What a picture of grace. But what do we actually think about grace? You know, we hear these stories. I've heard them many times. But what do we actually think about grace? What do we really know about this word? Yeah, for, for some of us, we say grace before a meal. We ask grace before the meal. Or maybe you remember that famous uh, hymn, Amazing Grace, that is sung all around the world. But if we look at Paul's writings, many times in his letters, he writes about his encounters he had with Jesus and what he said. And in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, he unpacks a little of what Jesus said and what grace is. So 2 Corinthians 12, 9, it says, But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. We're going to stop there. My grace is sufficient. So sufficient means it's just enough. Just enough. It's just what we need. Grace is sufficient means that it's just what we need. We may have a tendency, or I do, of placing a filter on God and what he has to offer. Like the exception of grace. The expectation of grace. But amazingly, grace has no filter of expectation. But it extends acceptance. You see, you see, grace is receiving what you do not deserve. There is no limitation. There's no restriction. There's no condition. And grace demonstrates forgiveness. Demonstrates an ex acceptance, a love, a hope. And God knows each and every one of us without our filters. Even though sometimes we might try to put that filter up. But he knows us without our filters. He sees all of our blemishes. Of what our lives truly looks like. And he doesn't see our blemishes and just covered up like with foundation, like a zit on your face. He, he, he takes this, he sees it, he addresses it. His grace is sufficient to provide hope. And the prodigal son, he wasted his money and time away. He truly messed up and thought he wasn't even worth to be called son. But his father brought him in and celebrated his life. Forgiving him, loving him. Grace that is sufficient has no expectation of perfection. Rather, grace reaches to the imperfection. The filter of expectation that we place on ourselves and on God is a false perception of God and his grace. This filter of expectation says grace must be earned, but God, with no filter, says I've already paid the price, it's free. Expectation says, I can't accept, and God says, there's no one outside of its reach. It's for you. Expectation speaks restriction, but God says it's limitless. 
You see, our filtered version has obstructed the view, the beauty of the real grace. Yes, this is a daily thing that we must lean into. We all have moments where we fall, we mess up. But even in those moments, we can still run back to the Father and say, God, I'm sorry, I've messed up. And he is there waiting with arms open wide saying, yeah, run back to me. I'm here for you. But with saying this, we shouldn't take this grace for granted. It was bought with a rich price. Just because it's free doesn't mean it's cheap. It's not cheap grace. It's, it was bought with God's son, Jesus, his blood on the cross. In acceptance of this grace, it should stir a response within us in how we choose to live. So each and every day we should strive to live a life that reflects a transformed, grace-filled life. When you really understand grace, you don't respond out of guilt. You respond out of gratitude. And there's one thing to know that God is, God's grace is sufficient. That no matter where you find yourself in life, God extends his love, his acceptance to us through his grace. So yes, yeah, his grace is sufficient. With no filter, it is sufficient. But his grace also sustains And if I could be candid or remove my filter, so to speak, for a few moments, um, as I reflect on this past year, to say it was a tough one uh, would be an understatement. I knew going into this year it would be full, you know, working on my master's full-time, working at the college, teaching, um, mentoring people, and, you know, leading a missions trip, a... uh, leading a ministry team, all of that. And, but what, what came next, I did not expect. On October 24th, you know, that dreaded phone call that nobody wants to receive. Phone call saying that a loved one has passed. It's my grandma. Now, being, being away for eight years, it's, it was hard, you know, you, you, you want to spend as much time with them as you can. So when I, when I go home, I would spend time with them, uh, really cherish those moments with my grandmas. So receiving this phone call, I was heartbroken. It's like, seriously? But she was gone to be with Jesus. Then a month and a half later, December 11th, I get another phone call. Uh, this time, it was a f- close friend of mine. I grew up with her, kindergarten to grade 12. And, you know, we sports together, band together, um, birthday parties, sleepovers. We were close. Even moving away after eight years, she was one that I would keep in contact with. And when I go home, go to visit. So she, she was gone. So many questions, overwhelmed, heartbroken. But then a month and a half later, January 30th, that phone call comes again. And this time is my, my, my other grandma, my last grandparent. And I remember after getting that phone call and sitting in my office at Vanguard and saying, seriously? You've got to be kidding. Three people in three and a half months. 
I, I don't understand why. This really sucks. And I got to a place of saying, God, I, I can't do this. You know, I, I got so much on my plate right now. This is happening all around me. I really don't know what to do. I was heartbroken over those that I've lost, overwhelmed, and then seeing, you know, life keeps on going. It doesn't just stop. It's still, you know, the mission trip still had to be planned. I still had to teach. I still, like, there's so much still. How do I pour into my students when I don't even know where I am right now? I felt weak. I was defeated and not sure how I could keep going. I was seriously exhausted. And it was during this moment, this moment in time, that God brought back a conversation that I had with one of, he was one of my professors, mentors, now colleague, friend, that he said earlier that year, before everything even happened, he's constantly been that voice of wisdom in my head the, you know, the person that comes alongside and just needs that little bit of encouragement, that little bit of... And that day, he really dropped a truth bomb that I didn't really fully understand until after my second grandma passed. And he said this. He goes, Anj, don't sell God's work of grace in your life short. And it took me a second. I'm like, okay, what, what do you mean? So as I thought about it, I kind of rephrased it so I could understand a little more. And said, don't underestimate God's grace in your life. And I was like, what does that mean? And when I read 2 Corinthians 10, 9 to 10, 2 Corinthians 12, sorry, 9 to 10, it really became clear. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I'll boast all the more gladly for my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weakness, insults, hardship, persecution, calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. It is when Jesus says, for my power is made perfect in weakness, that speaks to a grace that truly sustains. Because it is in my weakness that I had to fully depend on him and he makes me strong. This dependence says that it's not in my strength that I can continue on this daily struggle. But it is in him who gives me strength. I say this not just as a, a Bible verse that I read it and came across one day. But is it a, it's a truth that God has been showing me and teaching me daily. Daily I've had to learn to lean into him and say, God, I give you this day. Saying, God, I am weak. I am overwhelmed. I know what lies ahead. I can't face it on my own. But you are God. You've promised me that you are with me, that you'll never leave me. And in my weakness, you are there. You are the one that will make me strong. This is his sustaining grace. And it's through grace that I live. So don't underestimate God's grace in your life because when you are weak, then you are strong. Grace is something God has been teaching me so much, so much, as I've already said. And this, this around my neck, it's a necklace with the word grace on it, but it's much more than just a necklace to me. It carries so much more weight. 
You see, he removed a filter that I had placed on him of expectation over grace. He removed that filter so that I could see the real grace. And this, this is a constant reminder that it is by grace that God sent his son to die so that I could find life. It is grace that gives me, forgives me of my mess and my blemishes. It is grace that gives me hope. It is grace that I extend to others. It is grace that gives me strength when I am weak. It is grace that guides me and helps me through times of struggle. It's only by the grace of God that I can stand here. And it is his grace that sustains me and gives me strength during times of grief and, str and struggle. Grace that is sufficient. Grace that daily sustains. And it's because of him and his grace that he took a shy kid who hated public speaking and was told by an English teacher, you know, don't pursue anything in, in the English or the arts because, you know, your grades aren't that great. Took that kid and brought me to a place of being a professor at a Bible college who is working on a master's in art, speaking all the time. Like, it doesn't make sense, but it's only by his grace that he has brought me here. So I don't know, and I don't say this to boast or just to share my story. I say this as a testimony to God's amazing grace. That is my weakness, he makes me strong. It is through grace that I live. And I don't know all of your stories, but one thing I do know is that we all have a story. And sometimes, as I said before, we, we filter ourselves so that we present the best picture possible forward. But God sees you as you, no filter. And all of our stories may look a little different, um, maybe unique, but yet we are similar. We all have our share of joys. We all have our share of sadness, struggles, our own mess. But we're also in search of a purpose and all in need of a savior who extends grace. You see, only God can turn a mess into a message, a test into a testimony, a trial into a triumph a victim to a victor. He can take a world that is upside down and literally turn it around. How? Through his amazing grace, a grace that is sufficient, a grace that truly sustains. And the fact that we are all here today at Discovery Church, hearing and listening about, about grace is not, not a coincidence. Maybe you're here and you're, you're much like the prodigal son and you ran away from God the Father, made a mess of life. And I'm here to tell you that God is waiting for you to come home. He's waiting with arms open wide, waiting for you. His grace is sufficient. His grace not only is sufficient, but it sustains. Maybe you're here and you've been a Christian for years or, or not, but really going through a tough time. You know, life just really sucks right now. Not sure how you're gonna get through it. Not sure... You know, how, what your next step is. You feel weak, you feel tired, you feel overwhelmed. This grace is for you. His grace is sufficient. His grace sustains. It's just what you need. Not only is his grace sufficient and sustains, it saves. It's through his grace that we can find life. So maybe you're here and you've never made that first step to make a decision to follow Christ, to accept this grace in your life. Whatever place you find yourself, we all meet at the same place in need of God's grace. 
So I just want to give an opportunity of response. So if everyone have every head bowed, eye closed, just for, for a few moments. And those who are here, and maybe this is the first time that you've, you've heard about God's grace, or much like the prodigal son, you've ran away. You were, you were there, but then you ran away. Whether it is your very first time or a hundredth time, this gift of grace from God that provides you new life is for you. And raising your hand or acknowledging in your own way will be saying, yes, I want to accept this gift into my life. Yes, I want to walk in this, this grace-filled life that, that you speak of. So if that's you, raise your hand or acknowledge in some way scan the room. Yes. So Father, we just thank you that you are a God of amazing grace. We do not deserve it, but yet you still extend your acceptance, your love, your hope. And Lord, we just pray right now as a body, um, of a, as a community, that we are in need of your grace. Whether this is our first time welcoming you into our lives, or wherever uh, situation, whatever situation, whatever place you, we're in, Lord, we are in need of your grace. So Lord, we thank you that you are a God who saves, you are a God who who is sufficient, who sustains. So Lord, we thank you for, for who you are and what you're doing in and through our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for taking time to listen to this week's message from Discovery Church. If this ministry has impacted you in any way, we would love to hear about it. Please email us at info at mydiscoverychurch.ca.